Support for Defiance comes from Kraken, consistently rated the best and most secure Bitcoin exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. With 24-7, 365 world-class customer support, you can trust Kraken to support you, whoever you are, wherever you are. Available at kraken.com or via the mobile app, which is on the Apple or Android app stores. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Support also comes from BlockFi. With bank interest rates so low at the moment, there needs to be a new way of doing things, and BlockFi allows just that. With a BlockFi interest account, you can earn up to 8.6% APY on cryptocurrency deposits with interest paid monthly into your account. BlockFi has a loan account which allows you to borrow money at rates as low as 4.5%, so you can keep control of your Bitcoin whilst freeing up some cash. Not only that, BlockFi has a credit card coming out which allows you to earn up to 1.5% back in Bitcoin on every purchase. Accounts are quick to set up, flexible and secure. BlockFi really is the future of finance. To find out more, head to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. In 1998, Britney Spears burst onto the world stage. The following years would see her become the most recognisable pop star in the world. But the teenager's stratospheric rise would soon collapse in a very public breakdown that was splashed across tabloid magazines around the world. Amid a media frenzy, the 26-year-old pop star was brought by ambulance to a Los Angeles hospital from her Beverly Hills home. Britney was under conservatorship by her father and a team of lawyers and financial advisors, meaning she lost control of when she worked, where her money went, and who she could speak to. More than a decade later, it was revealed that what was initially thought to be a temporary order still exists to this day. During these years that Britney has been deemed as unable to look after her own affairs, she's released several albums, conducted multiple world tours, and starred on TV shows. In this first episode, I look at the rise and fall of Britney Spears and ask if it was her relationship with the media, the men in her life, or her family, who would go on to cause a collapse. I'm Tom Pattinson, and this is Everyone Loves Britney for Defiance. I always get confused if it's 2007, 2008, because there were like... Two it was the end of summer 2020 when my friend Miranda Langford, a Britney Spears fan who works in the music business in London, was telling me about the Free Britney movement and Britney's so conservatorship. I feel like it, we kind of have to go all the way back. Miranda told me how for the last 12 years, Britney Spears' father, Jamie Spears, had been controlling every element of her life. Because it kind of all, everything sort of comes from there. He decided when she toured or wrote an album. He decided who she got to see or where she could go. And most importantly to this story, he decided where the millions of dollars that she earned from her performances and album sales would ultimately end up. This story is long and complex, and over the last five months I've spoken to many Britney fans, journalists and lawyers, who've helped me understand this bizarre and sad tale. I've learned about Britney's tumultuous career, and the intricate web of lawyers and financial experts that now surround her. And I've learnt more about the US judicial system and the laws around conservatorships. I'm going to try to explain what happened to Britney, where her money went, 
and why so little is being done to change a system that clearly isn't working. But first, I wanted to start with Britney's career, her rise to fame, and her very public fall from grace. I was a little late coming to the Britney party, but I vividly remember where I was when I had my first Britney experience. I'd been in the Tibetan Himalayas for several months and was thrown back into the 20th century when a layover was delayed and I was put up in a hotel in Sri Lanka. I saw a TV for the first time in nearly a year and witnessed a blonde girl dressed in school uniform singing to the camera as she danced down a school corridor. Britney's Baby One More Time video left an impression on me as I'm sure it did to millions of other teenage boys around the world. Britney was everywhere during the 2000s, one of the biggest stars in the world. We all watched as she rose to fame and crashed and burned in a blaze of glory. We saw her grow up from girl to a woman very publicly, with interviewers constantly asking about her body and her sexual relationships in a way that would be unthinkable today. We all witnessed the very public breakdown, the head shaving and the fights with the paparazzi. And then things went quiet. Brittany grew up in Kentwood, a town in Bible Belt, Louisiana, with a population of just 2,000. Everyone knows everyone, and nothing is a secret. From a very young age, Brittany's mother, Lynn, decided that fame and fortune was the way out of this small town. Brittany was performing from the age of six, and by the time she was ten, she was appearing in commercials and was on the TV show Star Search. From Kentwood, Louisiana, here is 10-year-old Brittany Spears. While her mother was pushing Brittany towards the limelight, her father Jamie was an alcoholic. In 1980, a year before Brittany was born, Lynn and Jamie nearly divorced following an affair that Jamie had, but they stuck at their marriage, and on December 2, 1981, Brittany was born. She was the middle child between her older brother Brian and younger sister Jamie Lynn. According to Brittany's aunt Sandra, her father's abusive behaviour and heavy drinking caused Brittany to become shy and withdrawn, but her mother thought that performing would boost her confidence, and so she pushed her onto the stage. Brittany first auditioned for the TV show, The Mickey Mouse Club, but was told by producers she was too young. That didn't put off her mother, who in 1989 took eight-year-old Brittany to live in New York City, where she performed on stage and on TV. At the end of 1992, she auditioned again for The Mickey Mouse Club. And this time she won a place, alongside other future stars, Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera and Ryan Gosling. Justin, Brittany, Christina, Ryan. Brittany remained on the show until it was cancelled in 1996, when she returned to Louisiana and, for a brief moment, lived the normal life of a teenager. But normality wasn't in her parents' plans. They were on the brink of bankruptcy 
and increasingly desperate. Brittany was their ticket out of poverty. You bet. Here's Justin, Brittany and Dale. Her mother met with record producer Lou Pearlman, who suggested Britney join a girl band he was creating called Innocence. But upon advice from family friend and music manager Larry Rudolph, that idea was scrapped, and instead they recorded some solo demos. These demo tapes were sent around to labels and were mostly rejected as record companies at the time were looking for boy bands and girl bands in an era of the Spice Girls and the Backstreet Boys. But one demo tape made its way to Jive Records, who wasted no time in signing her up. Throughout this period, Brittany was living, working and travelling with her mum, Lynn. They had a very close relationship, as her mother would document in several best-selling books. And to Brittany, she was everything. She's amazing. She is awesome. But Brittany's father was mostly absent when she was a child. Her mother has mostly been portrayed as the rock. But it was her mother who was pushing her to perform. Brittany didn't have a normal childhood. Not long after she could talk, Brittany was singing and dancing. She was thrust into the limelight and asked to perform, whether she wanted to or not. And soon Brittany became the family's main breadwinner, something that she remains to this day. In 1997, when Britney signed to Jive Records, she was just 15 years old. She'd been on TV since she was 10 and had been in the Mickey Mouse Club for four years. She'd lived much of her very young life already in front of cameras, performing, and at this stage in her career, for just very little money. Children on the Mickey Mouse Club earn just $185 a week, which works out at around $5 an hour. Brittany hadn't spent a lot of time at school, either gaining a formal education or spending time with other young kids of her own age. Instead, she was being shaped, somewhat by her mother, but also by a lot of older men. Barry Weiss, who was head of Jive Records at the time, sent Brittany to Stockholm, where she would record a song with a new Swedish songwriter called Max Martin, who was making a name for himself in Europe. She would return to America and shoot the video to that song, Baby One More Time, at Venice High School in Los Angeles, California. The history of pop music would change forever. Baby One More Time was to become a number one in 22 countries. Over 10 million copies of the single were sold, and it became the biggest selling single of the year in the UK. Over half a billion people have watched it on YouTube. That song and that video, in which she dances through the school corridors in a school uniform, her hair in pigtails, made Britney Spears a household name overnight. But the sexy schoolgirl outfit that 16-year-old Britney wore won her almost as many enemies as it did admirers. If I had a 17-year-old daughter, she would not be walking out of the house like that. I think it's a shameful business, 17-year-old girl. The wife of Maryland governor, Kendall Ehrlich, even said... Really, if I had an opportunity to, to shoot Britney Spears, I think I would. Because of the sexualized image that she thought she portrayed. If it's controversy she wanted, 
as controversially she got. It's sort of very 21st century to suggest that 16-year-old Brittany was pressured to wear the schoolgirl outfit and was being manipulated by these older men around her in the record business. It's an easy and somewhat lazy accusation to make, and one that gives no credit to Brittany, who by many accounts was fully in control, even at that age, of how she wanted to be portrayed. Nigel Dick, the director of the video, would later say in a 2013 interview, I read an article in Q magazine about 12 months afterwards, which said that Britney was designed by a bunch of dirty old men wearing raincoats in a record company office. You know, that this outfit and this look had been carefully created by a bunch of dirty old guys sitting around a table. But that was absolutely not the case at all. There was an honest discussion between three people at a wardrobe meeting about whether this was an okay way to go. Two of those people were women. Eventually, we reached the conclusion that some people might choose to go there, but most of the people who saw it would say, it's a girl at school, being a 16-year-old. I think people chose to read it a lot into it, but it's not necessarily as overt as they'd like to believe. Brittany certainly didn't see there was any problem in what she wore. She said in a Rolling Stone interview the following year, all I did was tie up my shirt. I'm wearing a sports bra underneath. Sure, I'm wearing thigh highs, but kids wear those. It's the style. But that Rolling Stone issue, where she downplayed the significance of her costume choice, would dial her Lolita image up to 11. The March 1999 cover of Rolling Stone magazine was shot by celebrity photographer David LaChapelle. In it, 17-year-old Brittany lies on a bed, speaking on the phone, in just her underwear. Inside are more shots of Brittany in her underwear, in her bedroom, surrounded by dolls. Well, you know, when, when we shot together for Rolling Stone, um, I was talking to Brittany, I said, you know, we don't want you to just be another one, you know, like another Debbie Gibson kind of, you know, goody two-shoes, because there's always backlash. I said, we're shooting for Rolling Stone, which has an older readership, which may resent having this teenager on the cover. I said, let's do something for them, so that they give, give people something to talk about. David LaChapelle tells the story about that shoot in a 2011 Rolling Stone article. I said to her, you don't want to be buttoned up like Debbie Gibson. Let's push it further and do this whole Alita thing. She got it. She knew it would get people talking and excited. One night while they were shooting, LaChapelle says, Spears' manager, Larry Rudolph, walks in at 2am to find her posing in her bra and panties. Rudolph demanded to know what was going on. Brittany said, yeah, I don't feel comfortable, says the photographer. At first I felt betrayed, but as soon as Larry walked out, Brittany said, lock the door, and unbuttoned her shirt wide open. Like that. I'm the one that they're like, take that off. <laughs> I need to put you in something a little bit more appropriate. <laughs> Not that I'm like, you know, like scandalous or anything. No. I contacted Barry Weiss of Jive Records, Max Martin, the writer of the song, Nigel Dick, the director of the video, David LaChapelle, the photographer of the Rolling Stone cover. All these men decided not to talk to me or answer questions for this series. I'm sure right now they're getting a lot of interview requests, but their silence sometimes lets people's imaginations fill in those blanks. But when they have talked in the past, they've all claimed that Brittany, during this time, was fully in control of the decisions around her, what she wore, and how she wanted to be perceived. She was credited by nearly everyone, from backing dancers to producers, as incredibly hard-working and driven, and wouldn't take shit from anyone. She's a genius, 
Max Martin told The Guardian in 2019. So much had happened to her in that early period, and she had to grow up quickly. But if it's fame she wanted, it was fame she got. There was no stopping Britney for the next few years. Chart-topping singles, best-selling albums, controversial music videos, she was on fire, travelling around the world, touring stadiums and starring in all kinds of TV shows. She was amassing millions of fans, as well as a small fortune. But regardless of her musical success, there was one topic that followed her everywhere she went. How you feel about all the constant speculation about your virginity and whether you are a virgin or not? I really wish I would have never said anything to begin with. There's one subject we didn't discuss. Mm-hmm. What was that? Everyone's talking about it. Why? Well, your breasts. My breasts. <laughs> you seem to get furious Today, when most journalists are a bit more respectful of their subjects than to ask questions about a performer's sex life or their breast size, especially if that performer was a teenage girl. Plus, celebrities today have minders that ensure only suitable questions are asked. And editors, fearful of a Twitter storm or being called out, will nowadays err on the side of caution. It wasn't like that in the 1990s. Even in her early years, the media had this inner conflict of how to handle Britney. Was she this cute girl-next-door Southern Belle? Or the confident seductress who was corrupting your daughters? Well, if this teenage girl who wore revealing clothes danced provocatively and sung about sex, surely she must have been asking for interviewers to question her about these things. Brittany, who had been brought up an evangelical Protestant, had once stated that she was going to remain a virgin until she was married. Could this sexy young woman, who we see in her underwear on the cover of magazines, really be a virgin? asked the media, who by now were aware of Brittany's importance to their sales. This was the start of Britney's love-hate relationship with the media, one that would cover every step of her life in minute detail and continues to do so to this day. In the next episode of Everyone Loves Britney... You know, it was just this kind of bizarre combination of danger and also just total banality. She was like a participant, but was also having fun and also having a breakdown at the same time. Britney's meteoric rise comes crashing down on live TV. Amid a media frenzy, the 26-year-old pop star was brought by ambulance to a Los Angeles hospital from her Beverly Hills home. She looked downright out of it. What is the buzz about what's going on with her? This show was written and narrated by myself, Tom Pattinson. Additional production and sound design was by Danny Knowles, and Peter McCormack was the executive producer. The soundtrack was written by Chris Ketley. I'd like to thank Miranda Langford, the Free Britney Movement, and all the people I've spoken to in the research of this episode. Support for Defiance comes from Kraken, consistently rated the best and most secure Bitcoin exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell, and trade Bitcoin. With 24-7, 365 world-class customer support, you can trust Kraken to support you, whoever you are, wherever you are. Available at kraken.com or via the mobile app, which is on the Apple or Android app stores 
Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Support also comes from BlockFi. With bank interest rates so low at the moment, there needs to be a new way of doing things, and BlockFi allows just that. With a BlockFi interest account, you can earn up to 8.6% APY on cryptocurrency deposits with interest paid monthly into your account. BlockFi has a loan account which allows you to borrow money at rates as low as 4.5%, so you can keep control of your Bitcoin whilst freeing up some cash. Not only that, BlockFi has a credit card coming out which allows you to earn up to 1.5% back in Bitcoin on every purchase. Accounts are quick to set up, flexible and secure. BlockFi really is the future of finance. To find out more, head to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com.